0: Hail dictinus! Grant us clear voices, strong sound, and good reads. Most witches don't believe in gods. They know that the gods exist, of course. They even deal with them occasionally. But they don't believe in them. They know them too well. It would be like believing in the postman. Welcome to Deep Dives 1, the 194th episode of Three Pagans and a Cat. Our opening today is courtesy of GNU Terry Pratchett. You may call me Ode. Merry meet. My name is Gwyn. I am Ode's mother. This is going to be the start of a series that was mm-hmm. requested, where we're going to do little, sort of little profiles of various lesser-known
1: deities. Or... Or just whoever we feel like talking about. Whoever we feel like talking about. <laughs> or well-known deities who were on a lesser-known deity list, which I found intriguing. Uh-huh, yeah. Like, hmm, why are you there? Why are you there? Um, but before all that, we have to start with
0: housekeeping. So... Uh, the first thing we should talk about is that we have made some changes to our Patreon. Absolutely. We changed some of the rewards on the tiers. Gwyn is no longer doing a three-card monthly reading. She is now doing a one-card monthly reading. For the Pride. For the Pride, yeah. um, which is accessible to patrons, I think, cats and up. I believe so. If, Go if check. You can, if you can you... see it on the Patreon, then you're at the appropriate tier level. That's <laughs> right. <laughs> we have also changed... The reward for Panthers, which is a tier we're constantly trying constantly to find a good find. reward for. So Panthers are now getting a page from Jax's Herbarium. Mm-hmm. So Jax has an ongoing project where he's compiling uh, sort of a compendium of information about various herbs mm-hmm. as part of his hedge witchery, mm-hmm. and he has graciously permitted me to upload one page per month from that Herbarium Uh, for the pride, so for panthers and above, Mm -hmm. Uh, and then for leopards and above, show notes yes thank you we are gonna be (laughs) doing uh the show notes and sort of behind the scenes pictures candid snaps
1: candid Um, snaps because we can't get
0: the fucking video thing to work yeah of recording because get vocal is just fucking broke y'all
1: and i don't know if or when they're ever gonna fix it that's right so you get ridiculous (laughs) pictures of us Uh or of things around us as we are you know yeah uh, as we record
0: uh, so you get the behind-the-scenes stuff. We're gonna get photos of our show notes because we yep. both take pretty extensive notes for these episodes. Yep. Um, I and do then, now. Yeah, and then, <laughs> and then you'll get to see like those occasions where like I took notes on something, but it didn't come up in the
1: podcast. Yeah, yeah, that does happen. <laughs> My notes, when I have taken them, are usually a complete fucking mess. Uh-huh. So I...
0: Gwen takes her notes, for some reason, on unlined printer paper.
1: Yeah, well, So they just sort of go all over the place. They do. And I make little notes in the margins. Uh-huh. But for this time, and hopefully every time forward, I cleaned them. I, I did <laughs> She's clean copies. to make copies. them look nice. <laughs> and I still have some stuff that I had to scratch out. So, you know. mm
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think that's all the changes we made to the Patreon. Oh, we did change our goals a little bit too, mm-hmm. because the the goals we had previously were sort of outdated. They were mm-hmm. things we came up with when we first started the podcast yeah. and didn't really know where we were going to be going with it or yep. what it was going to what, what, what it was going look like. Whole thing was going to look like. So we've updated our goals. So yeah, the Patreons had a little bit of a facelift. Um, so go ahead and check those things out. And if you are interested in Jax's herbarium, like I said, that is tied to the Panther level. Of Patreon support, which I think is the
1: $30 a month mm-hmm. level of support. So, And the, trust me when I say, that boy has <laughs> created an amazing herbarium. It's
0: got footnotes, and it has got, got all his sources listed. And yeah, yeah he's, he's got
1: information. It's, he's a, very, it's a nice little... But he's a, he's a sociologist, so mm-hmm. he, he knows yeah. how to make a report he's, and a he's, nice... He's two master's degrees deep, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, so he knows what he's up to. He knows what he's that, up to, that, and that. he creates a document of information. Uh-huh.
0: In that case, it is time to read all of the patron names because it is the first recording of the month. Yes, it is. I'm
1: going to just take a sip of water and relax.
0: <laughs> so, we have 40 kittens. Thank you, kittens, for your
1: support. We love you, kittens.
0: We have 28 cats, and their names are Willow Green, Ebby, Nikki Norcross, Ashley Harkins, Kelly Burt, Erin Kathleen, Nova Misco, Annabelle Lee, Firesong, Cauliflower, Rose Shepherd, Abby. Chris Mickelson, The Dryad, JD, Claire K.R. Miller, Cabra, Maddie Kunis, Christine Phillips, Squiggy, Elisa Durka, Kelly Burt, Coney Briggs, Shakora, Rebecca Hillman, Laura Loki, Cindy Barrick, and Jasmine Ray Bell. We love you cats. Yes, thank you to our cats. We have 61 hunters, and their names are Hexaluna, which is a great name, mm. Hannah Zagety, Mike Stanley, Sahara Rose, Callie Brown, Laurel Jade, Misa Sky, Fanakuri, Tony Ghost, Asipiter, Ivy Rose, Michaela, Cameron Grant, Ashley Ann, Maharet, Darby, Talia Franks, Justin Harrell, Starlight Lokison, Mel Renee, Hell's Tally, which is another great one, mm-hmm. Nietzsche, Druidic Heart, Daughter of Oak, Mach 2556, Alicia Noble, Precious Fire, Heather Lewis, Sophia Duncan, Roanoke the Wiccan Wizard, Kitty Catastrophe, Charlene Hughes, Goddess Incognito, Shaivi, Hrolfer, Andy Olson, La Petite Poisson, Cara B., Loriana Lee Knapp, Melissa Gerben, Megan Kipper, Corvus Feliday, Kai Oakenshield, Ryan Hopkins, Melkor, Rochella and Dasvid, David Dasheffen Keyes, Amy Martin, Darian, Sky Bierce, Jax, Sarinth Odinson Ushi Ursa, Victoria Selness, Alyssa Addy, Ray Lathrop, Quinn Ann ASMR, Dahlia Darge, Jace Helmer, Jessica Jones, and Stevie Thompson. We love you, hunters! We do. We have 13 leopards, and their names are Jody Cozy, Nolan Hayes, Luna, Swan Fairywater, Kitty Robinson, Kimberly Squeaky Reynolds, Alex Robinson, Eleanor Faithful, Chris Calibri, Jim Two Snakes, Gemma Atkinson, and Gary Bearstorm. We love you, Leopards. We have one panther who can uh, access Jax's first herbarium page on the Patreon now, Don Taylor.
1: We love you, Don Taylor, lone <laughs> panther.
0: Singular panther. We have four tigers, and they are Weavers of the Web ATC, Kelly and Jim, Amanda Hicks, and Crystal of Apothecary Tees. We love our tigers. And we have two jaguars. Jaguar. Jaguar. And they are Laurie Phillips and Justin Stannett. And we love our jaguars. We do.
1: Thank you to all of our patrons for all of your support. You know we love you. We appreciate you so much. And we thank you. And we thank all our listeners. Mm -hmm. Because without you, we still would not be doing this. (laughs) Probably not. No. Like... (laughs) We are doing if, it because you guys are awesome, and we love you. Yeah.
0: We, for one thing, without uh, the Pride, we would have run out of things to talk about a long time ago. Oh, my ago. God! yes.
1: And, as, and we certainly would not be doing this once a week, and no. et cetera, et cetera. Exactly, <laughs> but, exactly. But also, you just you keep us going. You encourage us. We love everything about the communities that you guys have built around uh, the podcast. hmm and we love meeting you when we do go, when we have in the past been able to go to events and hopefully we'll be able to do that in again in the future soon.
0: when they have those again. <laughs>
1: and uh, yeah, so we love you guys lots. So yes, thank you.
0: All right, I think that is it for housekeeping.
1: Yeah, I think so. Okay, for now. <laughs> we are housekept and, and house swept. Very good. <laughs> <laughs> okay yes so we're gonna talk about do you 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 remember the topic (laughs) do you know where you are i do i do i do know where i am (laughs) i know where i am let me drink some water (laughs) i'm gonna drink some water too we're getting dehydrated our house is so fucking hot we're getting dehydrated i love having living in an older house but the downside is the downside is we have no fucking central air (laughs) yeah (laughs) It's a distinct outside. And honestly, the truth is, the thing that keeps me in this house is the fucking yard. Yeah. The yard is amazing. It's a beautiful yard.
0: You know what? Someday we'll upload some photos of the yard. Yeah, yeah. To the Patreon. Absolutely. Okay. So anyway. For the behind the scenes stuff.
1: For the behind the scenes. So anyway,
0: we're going to be talking about various deities. Uh, Gwen and I have each chosen two deities Mm -hmm. that we would like to talk about. Mm -hmm. Um, So Gwen, you need to tell me about your first deity.
1: Okay, well. I did a search, because I was like, who are less-known deities? Because I was going to do Hera, and I thought, well, she's pretty fucking known, you know? <laughs> Plus, I got other plans for, for her. Uh-huh.
0: <laughs> and if, she, if you show up in a Disney movie, mm-hmm. you're probably too well-known for this list. That's <laughs> true.
1: And this character, character, this <laughs> deity, now you got me doing it. Okay, so, anyway, I found two, however. Uh-huh. That are really pretty well known, but we're on this lesser known deities list that Mm -hmm. I found because a lot of people concentrate on the Olympians. Yes. The one I'm going to start with, Charon, the ferryman. Of Hades. Yes. Okay. So, Charon, you might not think of him in this way, but he is a psychopomp Mm -hmm. because he does ferry the- Literally. Literally, the newly deceased from the land of the living- Mm -hmm into the land of the dead, into Hades, Mm -hmm. into the underworld. His parents are Erebus and Nyx. Now, Nyx is... Night. Night. And... Who's Erebus? Erebus. I never say his name right. Erebus is darkness. Okay. So his parents are primordial deities. Mm -hmm. So Charon actually predates the Olympians. He predates Mm. Zeus and Hades, and uh, he actually they uh have a connection between him and a um Etruscan spirit of the underworld who was also a ferryman who, who took the souls of the newly dead mm, into the underworld. Okay. His name is Karu or Karun.
0: There's a pretty strong correlation mm-hmm. there,
1: yeah. One with uh but the um you know Karun or Karu was was kind of terrifying mm-hmm. and instead of a, a skiff and a pole he had like you know, double sided hammer. Mm. You know, he
0: hammered the dead he, apparently,
1: <laughs> and uh, and he was a very he was a very frightening character, mm-hmm. and he was considered death. Okay. Whereas in with Charon, he's actually the sibling of Nemesis, who is mm-hmm. vengeance, Eris, who is strife, Thanatos, who is death, right, and Geras, who is old age. Okay. And uh, Charon is he can be he's usually depicted, uh, especially in the earlier versions of of his stories and where Uh he appears as kind of old and wrinkly and and like with a long scraggly beard Mm -hmm. and smelly and, you know, just kind of wizened and things like that. But he's also depicted in some other, in some art uh, and on vases and stuff as a younger man with a beard Hmm. and like a seaman from like an Athenian rugged seaman with a conical hat. It, it's, he's got yeah, two ways of, hat. he got a fancy hat. He's got two ways of being perceived. Okay. Um, but I think most people think of him as the old, the wizened, you know. He, yeah, with the pole standing the ferry, on his skiff. Yeah. Which a skiff is a very shallow boat. Mm-hmm. Apparently, um, in many representations of the skiff, it does have an eye mm-hmm.
0: to protect from evil
1: spirits okay. as he's transporting the newly dead uh, across Styx. Or, you... uh, actually, it's a- Acheron. Uh, is usually the one that he's associated is with. Is the river he's yeah, associated yeah. with. Yeah, eventually it became Styx, but he's associated with Acheron.
0: Now, do you know if the Greeks had a practice of boat
1: burials? Here's the thing. I, I didn't see anything about boat burials, but he, um, you, know, you had to pay the ferryman, mm-hmm. right? Acheron, or Styx, was mm-hmm. one of the rivers that divided the land of the living from the land of the dead. You mm-hmm. had to cross these rivers, mm-hmm. to get deeper into the land of the dead. You okay. could stand on the shore, but you couldn't get across unless...
0: So it's like a wide river. Yeah, like it's like it's a, not, Yeah, It's not a waiting river.
1: Exactly. And and unless Charon took you across, you couldn't cross it yourself. and Grace says that's the river of memories, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think uh, Styx is the the river of strife or, or misery or something. <laughs> it's poisonous, okay. kind of.
0: Isn't that the river Achilles' is...
1: His dipped, dipped in. in, yep, up to his heel, okay. exactly. And that's also the river where um if the if the gods lie they right. they have to go into into the river Styx. Into the river Styx. That's right. Yep. Okay. The newly deceased shades, that's mm-hmm. what they were called, they would be brought to Charon by Hermes. Okay. Hermes would escort them or some other psychopomp. Right. You know, it wasn't always Hermes. There um, are a variety. There are Hermes a variety. is one of them. Exactly. And I'm sure you've heard that, you know, you had to present a coin to Charon in order to get him to ferry you across the river. Mm -hmm. And what this was, I thought was very interesting. Um, If you didn't have a coin... He wouldn't take you. You'd have to. You'd have to wander the shores for a hundred years mm. before he would finally give you a free sort of, ride. Sort of take pity on you. Take pity on you and give you a free ride. Or these shades would go and become ghosts and they'd haunt mm. people and and be seen in the land okay. of the living.
0: And and that would be sort of like the punishment for the living, not not paying your exactly, debt.
1: Exactly because this coin and it was called an obol. And it was maybe it was very it was like a penny mm-hmm. would be today, and it was uh, meant to be originally mm-hmm. it was under the tongue of the of the, the deceased, the, the deceased. Okay. and it it represented proper burial, that they had proper burial rights. Okay. and if they didn't have a coin, if they didn't get a proper burial because they were poor or they were nobody knew them or they weren't or found. They, they were found or they weren't found or. The family abandoned them for mm-hmm. some reason. If they didn't have a coin, then they didn't have uh, something to pay heron, Right. which means they didn't have proper funeral rites, and, and so, so then they, they turn into ghosts. They turn into ghosts, and they couldn't cross. Okay. So that's what I know. I don't know that they had they. So they didn't have like, you know, rituals of uh, uh, that had involved boats like the Vikings mm-hmm. did. It had more to do with commerce and, okay. and get, trade and trade and. Having a way to cross the river mm-hmm. from the land of the living to the land of the dead—you got to be able to pay your way. You got to be able to pay your way. Okay. And it and the only way you can do that is if you have one of those coins when you are deceased. And as time went by in later days, um, it was two co- a coin on each eye. Okay. But so it, the
0: inflation, the yeah, price went
1: up. <laughs> yeah, price went up. So yeah, so you had to to pay, Caron, in order to cross. And some of the earliest representations. Uh, of Charon, uh, was a vase in around circa 500 BCE, uh, one of the black figure pottery vessels. And he actually was a very popular figure on vessels that you would find in burial sites. Mm -hmm. Um, And they're these kind of skinny, uh, single-use pottery vessels that um, would hold oil or perfume. Mm, okay. and so, And then he would be depicted on there with his pole and, you know. Interesting. Everything on there. Because he was a god of the underworld. Well, he was a deity of the underworld. Right. He wasn't considered a god of the underworld so much as a spirit, a spirit. or a deity of the underworld.
0: Yeah, Rannon said earlier that he's not technically an Olympian. He would be a titan's child. Yes,
1: he is a titan's child. He's So he's a primordial deity, you know, and and that is his role is to take people who have just died, recently mm. dead, deeper into Hades, right? E- deeper into the where, underworld where they can be
0: properly sorted.
1: Well, yes, because then they go before the judges, right? Um, and uh, and they are determined of you know if they will where they will be in the underworld, if they will be punished, if they will be rewarded, right? That kind of thing. But that's that is what he do. He takes them. Now the interesting thing is. He is featured in a lot of poems Mm -hmm. and plays. This includes frogs by Aristophanes, poetry by Euripides, Aeschylus, Callimachus, Ovid, Aristophanes. He was also written about by the Romans because the Romans adopted him as well. Right,
0: as they tend to. And they still
1: called him Charon. Mm -hmm. They didn't change his name. Oh, interesting. Mm -hmm. And he was written about by Virgil, Cicero, Seneca, and... Uh, others. And one of my favorite uh, things that I found um, is Lucian's Dialogues of the Dead. Ooh, that's an intriguing name. Yeah, yeah. And Lucian was a uh, Hellenized Syrian poet. Okay. And he was a satirical poet. Mm. So he, you, you know, you find the, he has these conversations between Charon and Hermes or Charon and one of the people he's he's supposed he's, to be ferrying. ferrying. And there was this one that I read about this really cheeky dude who didn't have a, a coin to mm-hmm. pay, and he refused. And Charon is like, well, I'm not taking you. And he's like, oh, okay, fine. So he somehow managed to weasel his way into... Uh-huh. Into uh, a free ride? No, into going back. He said, I'll, you'll see me when I come <laughs> back, when I die the next <laughs> so, time. So, so
0: he was like, oh, okay, I'll go back and get
1: yeah. one. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm gonna go back and live on the earth uh-huh. and until, like until earn, I can earn until I like can earn an noble. until I can get one. You know that kind of. It's very funny. These they're very, um, you know, they're just funny the uh-huh. little satirical poems, sort of dark humor, dark humor. <laughs> and uh, so, I highly recommend looking up Lucian's Dialogues of the Dead because they have been translated. And spectacular. Uh, it's like he's like. You haven't got a penny? You know, that kind of thing. <laughs> uh-huh. You have to pay me. <laughs> it's, it's a pittance. Come on. Yeah, exactly. And the other uh, notable mention is Dante's Divine Comedy. He appears there. Mm-hmm. But he's, he's all over the fucking place in, in literature. And, of course, in mythology, he, uh, you know, he, here's the thing. For a crotchety old deity uh-huh. who uh, can either be scary, depending on your version of him, mm-hmm. Or just crotchety and just, like just grumpy, grumpy, and just pay me my money or get out, you yeah. know, and wander the the shores for a hundred years before uh-huh. I take pity on you. He helped Orpheus, he helped Psyche, he helped Odysseus, he helped Aeneas <laughs> to get across. And they so, all so you come to, to and they were all living. You at come the
0: time. to on with any kind of sob story, yeah, <laughs> or any Karon, kind of heroic motivation. Yeah. Well,
1: some of they, some of the. The literature they, they think some of them paid him. Uh-huh. Um, of course, Orpheus uh, played his music for him uh-huh. and got him one one free ride. Uh-huh. That was it. The second time when he lost Eurydice, you know, uh-huh. Charon That's said, it. "That's it, buddy. You had your chance." <laughs> um, El says the original Grouch with a heart of gold. Exactly, (laughs) and but he had to be. He still he would accept money from Mm -hmm. the living to to be transported if they were a hero. (laughs) Now Heracles didn't even bother trying to pay him. He just beat him with his own pole. That's rude. Rude. Uh, That was when he was going on. I think it was his twelfth journey to try to get. um, Heracles
0: is just kind of a dick
1: sometimes. Yeah, to try to get Cerberus. Uh But but yeah, Heracles was a little bit of a dick. And this is the thing. He would get punished every time he allowed a living soul, but to he cross keeps doing it over into the underworld. But he and he'd get like in the ancient writings, he would get chained for a hundred years.
0: Who <laughs> and does Charon's job when he's being exactly? For... That was like,
1: are the dead just piling up uh-huh. on the shore waiting for him to return? And he helped a lot of people. Uh huh. Yeah. So, so like the, those centuries are stacking up here. And uh, Rihanna says he cuts quite a f- striking figure.
0: <laughs> yeah, even when he, does. he doesn't do anything, just the idea of this looming ferryman is Ex- pretty damn cool. Exactly, and he is, you know, Elsa's job security. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. So he does uh, have a very striking, mm-hmm. kind of scary presence, ambiance. ambiance, and yet there's a lot of humor that that surrounds mm-hmm. his role. Yeah, as ferryman, um, he seems
0: and, quite mercenary.
1: Yeah, well, like I had, I found one poem. I think it was. I don't remember who it was, but man, he was not being nice. He's like, you know, he was describing him as this old, stinky, smelly beard with eyes of fire mm-hmm. and, you know, kind of thing. And uh, so he goes, there's he flits between being terrifying mm-hmm. with the eyes of fire uh, and just being gross. It's just sort of disparaging. Just, yeah, and like a semen, because mm-hmm. he, semen were kind of looked down upon, you know, a little bit. And because, uh, you know, they were out on boats and they were wrinkled mm. from the sun and smelled of fish. I don't know. Yeah,
0: doing all their sailing. <laughs>
1: um,
0: Being the backbone of the economy. No yeah, big deal. No big deal.
1: <laughs> but so, yeah, so he's this, this deity, this primordial deity who has a very important job. Mm-hmm. Very important job. He gets people where they need to go. Mm-hmm. But he's not above beating some people if they come to him without pay.
0: Uh-huh. But also not above but taking money about- even if you're not supposed to be in there. <laughs> like, he'll take a bribe.
1: He'll take a bribe, or he can be wooed with a beautiful song. Right. At least once. Once, one, one, one beautiful one, one song. Yeah. <laughs> and there's other stories, so that's the funny thing, is like, Charon, you don't think of him as a deity. hmm You don't
0: well, think Well, and, and like rannon said, he's not uh, an Olympian, so. No, he's
1: not an Olympian. So he's sort of,
0: he's kind of in a liminal space yeah. in the,
1: yeah. the Greek mythology. if you are, you know, someone who is working with, the dead Mm -hmm. as a, as a psychopomp, or if you have some reason to reach out to, to Mm -hmm. make sure you have money. Right.
0: Pay. Realize. Make appropriate offerings.
1: It's definitely a, a, he will. Quid pro quo. Quid pro quo. He definitely would want an offering, but why couldn't you, you know, honor him and say, Hey, I'm going to be, you know, I need to talk to somebody. I need to talk to somebody. (laughs) I I did my, did my loved one get a, you know, Uh a proper crossing or, you know, I feel like there there probably is a way to work with him, especially if you work with Hermes or Hakati or any of the other uh, Chthonic deities. Join our Tiger Crystal at Apothecary Teas. This shop produces fragrant, aesthetically beautiful teas that delight all the senses with handcrafted tea blends from white to red to green. This week, Ode recommends Absinthe, a green tea blend with flavors of licorice root, anise, ginger, and fennel. Find them at apothecaryteasstore.com or on Facebook at apothecaryteas, LLC. Hail Dictinus! Hail Dictinus! Our like. own little-known god. So I'm going to be talking about
0: Praxidyke is has sort of a confusing origin, and it seems as though maybe had different origins in different parts of Greece um, and at different times, but... Praxidike is the exactor of vengeance and judicial punishment which were pretty interlinked concepts in mm-hmm. the ancient Greek worldview yeah the, the purpose of a judicial punishment was to extract revenge for the victim it wasn't like they didn't really have a restorative or a reparative justice system they had a retributive justice system. Mm-hmm. Um, so Praxedike was the one who made sure that those punishments uh, were and that vengeance was properly enacted. Brianna and Grace says, ooh, a demona. Yes, exactly. Um, so Praxedike is not exactly a goddess. She is a, a, a demon, which is like a, a personification, uh, a spirit that personifies a concept in the Greek practice. Yeah, uh, Rannon says, might want to spell it for people. Uh, Yeah, because the Greek pronunciation is Mm. demon or Mm. demona, but it is spelled D A I M O N A. And the name is spelled P R A X I D I K E. Praxidike. There is also a goddess whose name is Dike, D I K E. And she is sort of the universal ideal of justice, whereas Praxidike practice of justice mm-hmm. is more about the practical application of gotcha. justice and vengeance. Well, you need that. Exactly. And so there's sort of some ambiguity about whether Praxedike is an aspect of Dyke or whether Praxidyke is a separate entity in her own right. Mm-hmm. And there's some ambiguity about whether Praxidike is one or multiple people. So in some parts and times in Greece, there were three beings mm-hmm. that were called the Praxidaechai. And the, the Praxidaechai, actually, there are two versions of. So mm-hmm. there's the version that is Praxidaech and her two daughters with Soter, who, whose name means safety, who is the, the demon of safety. Mm-hmm. Those two daughters are Eret and Homonia, whose names mean virtue and concord, mm-hmm. respectively. Praxedike and those two children with soda form the Praxedikei triad mm-hmm. and together pursue the appropriate application of justice. Right. But there's another Praxedikei, which is three individuals who are supposed to be the daughters of Ogies, mm-hmm. and Ogies is... Sometimes described as having been like maybe a mythological king, and sometimes described as having been possibly an ocean titan of some kind mm-hmm. who was one of the primeval or primordial rulers of ancient Attica.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And there was a, there's a whole situation with the flood and everything, but Oges had three daughters Alalcomenia, Thelxonia, and Aulis. And those three daughters are also sometimes called praxidai. Mm. Which of those three sets are comprising the praxidai varies depending on depending who you're on reading. yeah who you're reading and at what time it was written right, right. and in what what area what region of it was written in yeah but in the praxidai form and especially in the triad form and especially the one that is associated with Alcalomenia, Theluxonia, and Aulis, the Praxidiaci are represented only as heads. So they're, they're specifically described as having only their heads are deified. So unclear whether that means that the heads of the Praxidiaci do have bodies, but only their heads are divine, or whether they are bodiless heads in general. But they are only represented as these heads, and they are only offered the heads of animal sacrifices. Hmm. But in that form in particular, they watch over oaths and ensure the punishment of oath breakers. So there are these two sort of corollary, but w- with minor distinctions, versions of the Praxodiaci. Okay, She doesn't show up, Praxediach doesn't show up very frequently. She shows up in a few places, like I said, we know there there is this sort of divergent perception and cultus of the Praxedikei, but she is uh, mentioned notably in, in one of the very famous uh, Greek stories about the Trojan War, mm-hmm. where Menelaus erects a statue to Praxidike in the same place where Paris absconded with Helen Uh-oh. as sort of a... a yeah, bring me justice. Bring me justice, bring me vengeance for mm-hmm. this crime, mm-hmm. yeah. That's, I think, the the most famous instance of Praxedike showing up in the mythology, the stuff that where right. she's going to be best known, is right. um, when Menelaus enacts a statue to her. And he does ultimately get justice. Yeah, Paris he dies, um, Helen's second husband, whose name I can never remember, also dies, and Menelaus yep. gets Helen back, yep. which is all in accordance with Greek priority. Mm-hmm. Gray says, that's the version, the um, The daughter of the Ogie's version is the one Rana Gray is more familiar with, or the version where they're another name for the Erinyes or the Furies. Yes. yes. These sort of triplicate feminine demons mm-hmm. who punish or watch over humanity and make sure that they are behaving correctly Mm -hmm. are actually really, really common Mm -hmm. in Greek mythology. There are several separate sets of them, and they Mm -hmm. often have sort of overlapping priorities and tasks.
1: Well, that would include the three fates as Mm -hmm. well.
0: These figures are very, very common Mm -hmm. in Greek mythology and Greek lore. And it's, it's unclear to, to what extent they influenced each other's development. Anna Gray says, The word Praxedike also shows up in the Orphic Hymn to Persephone as a word meaning avenging goddess, so that's another place people may have heard of them. Yep. And that sort of ties Praxedike into the underworld. It's the yeah. only instance I was able to find that does directly tie Praxedike into the underworld, except for sort of that association to the flood concept and the, the possible conne- connection to... Praxedike or the aspects of Praxedike being daughters of of an entity who might have been an ocean titan, one of those really primordial forces. But aside from that connection to Persephone and the possible parentage, because otherwise we have no other parentage for Praxedike. Her parentage in any of her other forms is not mentioned. There's some academic speculation that she may have been a daughter of Zeus, Mm-hmm. But it's not actually stated anywhere. That's just academics going like, well, most people are yeah, <laughs> to children of Zeus. So he she could around. be. <laughs> but I think it's more likely that she is actually one of the, if she's not an aspect of Dyke, the, the goddess of universal justice, mm-hmm. she is probably, I think she's probably more closely linked with this titan mm-hmm. slash ancient ruler yeah. of ancient Attica. So, but that's Praxiteide. She's very interesting. There's not a lot about her in terms of mythology and even in terms of academic study. They have a few like a few scattered references mm-hmm. and they have a couple of visual representations of the the bodiless heads mm-hmm. being offered the the heads of animals, but that's mm-hmm. about all we've got. Uh Rhianna Gray says no parents, but I think she had kids with her brother at least in this, she has daughter's myth but it's ancient Greece so who, dis, who, who didn't yeah right um, her children are with Soter whose name means safety and again it's unclear whether they were related because no one's parentage is very clear everything's a little yeah but Soter is another demon is another personification of a concept and is so this is what I think is really interesting about this other um, Praxediachi triad the, the one that's Praxediach, Erit and Homonia Arete and Homonia, first of all, are her children. It's unusual to find a triad that is a mother and children. Mm-hmm. It's also interesting that they are her children with Soter, and they don't, like, their names and what they are, the personifications of, don't have anything directly to do with justice. They're the outcomes. Mm-hmm. They're the, the intended outcomes of mm-hmm. Praxedike's action. Yeah. Right? So, like, Praxedike's purpose is to sort of right society Mm -hmm. by enacting revenge for the wronged and sort of equaling things out so that everything can go back to normal right and her children arit virtue and harmonia concord like social what in heathenry we would call frith that sort of um leveling of society so that you you sort of all agree to play by the same rules it's interesting to me that that those two children who are the outcomes of her purpose Mm -hmm. are included in the Praxodiakai Triad. Yeah. Whereas the other Praxodiakai Triad, Allalkamenia, Thelxonia, and Aulis, are all associated with different kinds of vengeance and justice. Mm -hmm. So it's a really interesting way to sort of divide up the triad there, mm-hmm. and that makes me think that the sisters are probably the original triad, yeah. And the mother and daughter triad we're, we're added later. is a later development of maybe. Praxidike was the concept of Praxidike as a single deity was what survived from the original Praxidikei mm-hmm. triad, but the concept of the Praxidikei being a triad persisted, and so they mm-hmm. tried to sort of retrofit it with the daughters, right. Rannin says, the only other mother and children I can think of is, I think, Ares because her kids are with her, and Ares has his war children. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's uncommon for the deities to be grouped with their children in this way. Yeah, um, Usually they're grouped with siblings, or sometimes with partners, but very rarely is it a parent and children who are... Com- who are composing a triad or a group like this who are all supposed
1: to do one thing.
0: I'm not that well versed on the Greek either Finn. So it was really interesting to to study this because I don't really work with this Pantheon.
1: Yeah. It's all Greek all the time right now. (laughs) Because like I said, even though this deity is part of the Olympians, she's Mm -hmm. one of the 12, she was included on a lesser known deity list, Mm -hmm. which I thought was interesting. So who is Demeter. She is the goddess of harvest and agriculture, presiding over crops, grains, food, and fertility of the earth. Mm -hmm. But she is also a goddess of health, birth, marriage, with connections to the underworld through Persephone. Uh Uh-huh. I
0: think it's really interesting that Demeter was included here, because I feel like to the Greeks, she would have been very well known.
1: And that's the thing. She's huge. She was huge Mm -hmm. in Greece, in ancient Greece. So of course, her parents. Since she's one of the of the Olympians, her mm-hmm. parents were Rhea and Kronos. She was their second child, so she's actually older than Zeus.
0: Yeah, Zeus is the baby of his family, which I think everyone of his forgets. Family.
1: Yeah, he was born last, and then <laughs> saved all of his siblings. Of course, her the big hymn that everybody knows about is the hymn to Demeter, mm-hmm. which explains you know, Persephone's descent mm-hmm. into the underworld and... And Demeter's reaction. And Demeter's reaction, and essentially how seasons were created. Mm-hmm. <laughs> how, why, why we don't have a, a perfect growing season all year round. Exactly, how, how we have uh, harvest and planting and mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. It all stems to this uh, journey that Demeter took with because of Hades taking her daughter. But anyway, in um, in addition... She is considered, she of the grain, that's mm-hmm. what uh, one of her, her uh, titles is, Giver of Customs and Legislator, mm. because it is in association with a female-only secret festival that at the time was called Thesmorphoria, and she, was also, and she also provided over sacred laws and the cycle of life and death. So, you know, she was very central to mm-hmm. just everything having to do from birth to death. Demeter was a big part of it, and of course, the she and Persephone were the central figures of the Eleusinian Mysteries, mm-hmm. which um, is a religious tradition that actually predates the uh, Olympian Pantheon, and may have actually come from the Mycenaean period, and uh, was was adopted by the Greeks. Mm-hmm. But she is there; she is the central focus of of those great mysteries that were they were enacted and practiced for over 2000 years and kept secret. Like Mm -hmm. they, we have, we have an idea of how certain things were performed and how they did some, you know, how they prepared themselves and things, but what the actual mysteries were, nobody actually knows what the, what the actual greater mysteries were. We know the lesser mysteries, they all had to do with the hymn to Demeter. And Mm so it, it talks about, the descent of Persephone into Hades. It talks about basically her reaction, mm-hmm. um, and essentially, and it, and it ends with their reu- with their reuniting, mm-hmm. and it all has to do with they believe harvest and mm-hmm. the grain and and planting and life and all this. But nobody knows the exact mysteries that happened. Mm-hmm. But she, you know, and there, you would have loved this. I should, I if I, I should have taken a picture because there was a whole section about her name mm-hmm. and you know and they nobody really agrees uh-huh yeah <laughs> on the etymology of her name what's what often means. the way some people think it means um, you know earth mother um, but you know others say it's green mother um, there's a lot of disagreement but you know it, she was considered a an earth deity mm-hmm. of but whether she was an ancient earth deity that became a part of the Greek pantheon nobody's really sure
0: so they haven't, but those like,
1: origins are. They
0: haven't like matched her to one of the Etruscan exactly. deities like they have with Chiron.
1: Exactly, exactly. Um, but but you can consider her a grain mother and an earth mother. Um she's also she was called the Corn Mother by Hesiod. He mm-hmm. <laughs> talks about her in um the Theogony. Um Do they
0: have corn in ancient Greece.
1: Apparently, because she was called the Corn Mother. Huh. And because it she was the goddess of grains. She was the goddess of cereals. Mm. Um, and so she provided bread and blessed the harvesters. So that was a big part of what the Illusion uh mysteries was about, having to do with cereals and grains and yeah. all of that kind of stuff. New crops reunited with old seed, I think is is what uh the higher hopes of in this life and the afterlife. So she was kind she was that deity where the people thought she would bless them both here and now mm-hmm. as well as in the afterlife that okay. if they participated and were initiated into her mysteries she would take care of them in life and in death
0: okay so she was sort of a cross liminal yeah. deity
1: yeah so it's actually really kind of interesting when you mm-hmm. when you think about that because i think because we're so familiar with the him to Demeter mm-hmm. and Persephone, and the story of Persephone. yeah. Story a lot of Persephone. people in the chat
0: right now are saying they know Demeter mostly through Persephone's yeah, story. Yeah,
1: exactly. And so, um, you know, it, it's interesting that yeah, corn is probably just how it's been translated. Yeah, She's uh, really probably more of a grain mother. Yeah, they're they're saying or cereal's mother. <laughs>
0: they're saying in the chat that that corn is probably just a sort of a mistranslation.
1: Yeah, um, but it, because has, I'm you,
0: pretty sure Rochelle is correct, and that corn as we know it mm-hmm. uh, is derived from maize which
1: only grew in the Americas. Exactly. So it's probably it, she was the cereals. Yeah. You know had more to do with again, grains that were created you know for bread and right. things like that. For, for milling. For milling. Those were really what she was honored with mm-hmm. and stuff. But here's the other interesting thing. She was also one of her emblems is the poppy. Oh.
0: Uh And they
1: believe that the poppy is connected to a Cretan cult that eventually carried over to the Elysian mysteries uh, in classical Greece. So they think that it was some kind of tradition with another goddess that was Mm, equated with her. Sort of folded into... Exactly. Because you know, a lot of these, as with many uh, deities, she was conflated with other deities, mm-hmm. including Sybil uh, or Sybil, however you say her name. There's a couple of different ways. Which uh, she was an Anatolian goddess, and uh, Ceres, who was a Roman deity.
0: Rochelle says, "Would the grains association make her the beer mother too?"
1: Probably. Yeah. If they if they
0: made beer, which they... I assume they did, because they made beer pretty much everywhere it was possible. Exactly.
1: <laughs> so she had, you know, she was all. About the cereals, the grains, Mm -hmm. and the, you know, food. Yeah, so
0: do a (laughs) prayer. If you're you're a uh, a craft brewer or a home brewer, do a little prayer to Demeter.
1: That's right, that's right. So it's interesting, because I found in different places she was known for different things. (laughs) Ha, and says, Mommy! (laughs) "Mommy!" (laughs) (laughs) So in Arcadia... Um, she was known in a couple of different areas of Arcadia as, in different ways. So in Arcadia, she's represented as an earth goddess with snake hair holding a dove and a dolphin. Ooh. So land, sea, and sky. That's a look. And fierce. Also, kind of an association to Medusa. Medusa, there? yeah. I thought the, That's with the snake was fascinating. Thing. Exactly. Ooh, I would love to know where that came from. Mm hmm. And then uh, in Phineos, which is also in Ar- Arcadia, she was known as Sidaria where the cult may have practiced a form of agrarian magic connected with the underworld. So there was a, you know, a combo between the and
0: that makes sense because, I mean, you grow crops in the earth.
1: A Greek poet named Pindar, if I'm saying his name correctly, this is one of his quotes from one of his poems. Happy is he who has seen what exists underneath the earth because he knows not only the end of life, but also his beginning that the gods will give. So, you know, yeah. it, things come from the earth. That's why And she, we use
0: them to sustain us, and, and we, then we go into the earth. Exactly.
1: <laughs> so that's why she's really considered a chthonic deity. Yeah, that makes sense. Because she is... A, even
0: even separate
1: from her association yeah, to separate Persephone. separate from Persephone, in herself alone, mm-hmm. as a goddess of grains and food and fertility and crops. Actually, she, this...
0: This recontextualizes Persephone's descent completely. Mm-hmm. Thinking about it this way, because Persephone is Demeter's child, so what Demeter has produced mm-hmm. dies and goes into the underworld, mm-hmm. and then is reborn later. Yeah, and, and Demeter is all about growing things in the earth. That that recontextualizes that the whole, whole story, story for me. Story for you exactly.
1: <laughs> and that again is what the Eleusian Mysteries is all about. That whole process mm-hmm. of their and their reuniting you know and and coming from the earth back to the land of the mm-hmm. living mm-hmm. you know the underworld to the to life so it's very very interesting and In the cult of flya she was demeter kathonia who sends gifts from the underworld mm-hmm. seeds and seeds and the return of flowers mm-hmm. and growing things because of the ascent yep. of, of persephone, persephone. Mm-hmm.
0: yep who is at least in some of the myths. Yep.
1: A flower maiden. Yeah. Kore, Yeah. Yep. And in Sparta, Demeter Cathonia, she was worshipped in a cult of the dead. Mm-hmm. And the deceased were actually called Demetroi. And linked to the belief that new life sprouts from the dead as plants arise from the earth. So this is a repeating And, and
0: this is literally thing. true because we know when i mean corpses make good fertilizer we know this mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like it's a little it's a little grotesque to think about but it's but, true. but they you know a corpse releases certain chemicals and elements into the earth that promote the growth of of new life mhm exactly so it makes sense yeah that she would be associated with because fertility and fertile land are
1: associated with death exactly exactly that is pretty much what I have on heard. There's a hell of a lot more mm-hmm. uh, if you want to find out more about her. Like I said, it, it was interesting to me that she is on the lesser-known deities list because she is an Olympian. But I think it is because she is she is minimized in her role mm-hmm. because of... To
0: just Persephone's mom. To just mom.
1: Persephone's mom. Yeah. When she is much bigger, much wider. And like I said, the Ellusian mysteries are all about her. And then there's Thesmophoria. Yeah. Uh, which is uh, which took place between you know in October. Mm-hmm. Um it was a women's only uh, kind of festival. Mm-hmm. Nobody really knows what it was about. Right.
0: The the Greeks held their mysteries real close. They
1: held their mysteries close.
0: Rian and his relaying uh, has been looking up Demeter stories and his relaying uh, there is a story where Demeter turned someone into a gecko. Quote, Demeter then poured her drink over him and turned him into a gecko hated by both men and gods. <laughs> it was said that Demeter showed her favor to those who killed geckos. Oh,
1: that's funny. <laughs> so, yeah. So, she's a very interesting deity. There is a uh, Wiccan group, mm-hmm. the um, ATC, the
0: Aquarian
1: Tabernacle Church the original mm-hmm. in Washington, I think okay. they do. A, they have recreated a version of the Ellusian mysteries that they've been performing. Uh, Cause Demeter is one of their main deities mm-hmm. that they work with. And uh, I had the opportunity to attend online Yes. because up until COVID, they were doing it in person, in person, in the, in the real. Um, and uh, it was actually really fascinating to, to go through the lesser mysteries. Yeah. Cause the lesser <laughs> mysteries were all about, the, the,
0: the, hymn. the hymn.
1: Yeah, the hymn. But, like, we did a ritual and, and were, you know, created to, you know, as initiates, mm-hmm. you know, and all this kind of stuff. And went through a lot of what the basic ideas of what they did in the Ilusian Mysteries. Re- reconstruction. Reconstruction. Yeah, it's a reconstruction as best as uh, is able to be. So it's really interesting that there's at least one group. I'm sure there's others, but mm-hmm. one group that I know of are trying to recreate these mysteries. Yeah. And this honor and honoring of Demeter. And I guess that's kind of why when I saw her on that lesser known deities, you were like rude. I was like rude. <laughs> there she was really big and important all over Greece. Uh-huh. You know. But
0: I guess uh, someone earlier in the chat described her as not lesser known so much as oft forgotten.
1: Yeah, I think that's a that's a really good way to put it. Which is a shame because it's just like Caron, you know, I, I feel like we we pigeonhole these mm-hmm. deities into just like the the barest possible understanding.
0: Well, and sometimes it's a lot of it has to do with your with how you engage with the myth. Like mm-hmm. for me, I prefer a a a Persephone who has more agency in her choices. Mm-hmm. And so for me, Demeter in that story is almost an antagonistic force mm-hmm. who's causing a lot of trouble and sort of refusing to release her daughter. Mm-hmm. But just that recontextual, just just that understanding. that understanding here now that I just got in my brain of Demeter as a Chthonic deity mm-hmm. in her own right mm-hmm. um, and the associations between fertility and death mm-hmm. and the deep black earth um, concept has sort of recontextualized meter for me. And so I'm now able to see her at a different angle. Mm -hmm. So sometimes, sometimes that's what you need is you just need like just sometimes just like a word or a phrase to just like twist your brain so that you look at the the thing differently.
1: Yeah. And and I just double checked the Thesmophoria, which again was very secretly held close. It was a uh, fertility festival, Uh, For both human and agricultural fertility that Mm -hmm. was held, but women only. Mm -hmm. So, I think that's interesting. Because the Eleusinian Mysteries were open to everybody. Mm -hmm. Rich, poor, slave, anybody could become an initiate. Man, woman. Man, woman, yeah, it didn't matter. Anybody could become an initiate in the Eleusinian Mysteries and in in a devotee, uh, a uh, mistai of Which Demeter
0: is pretty cool like the eradication of class roles mm-hmm. and everything that was that's a big deal in greek society because yeah. they had a fairly stratified society yeah so the fact that anyone who could get there could
1: mm-hmm.
0: go through those mysteries mm-hmm. is pretty fucking cool if you yeah, think about it yeah it really is definitely like demeter apparently was a very egalitarian goddess yes
1: <laughs> apparently because the, everything was open Join our tiger
0: Amanda and relax with the salts of Wonderful Body Co. These soaks and scrubs, inspired by popular books and characters, are designed to delight multiple senses with fragrant scents and sparkling mica. You can also find rollerball fragrances and hair oils. With dozens of options available, you're sure to find something you like in the Wonderful Body Co. collection. This week, I'm recommending Sekhmet Bath Salt with scents of catnip, rose, bergamot, honey, and thyme. Find Wonderful Body Co. online at wonderfulbodyco.com or go directly to the shop at etsy.com slash shop slash wonderfulbodyco. Hail Dictoness. Hail dictinus! Rochella points out, well, for several centuries, these stories have been deliberately flattened and presented as fiction and laughable Mm -hmm. superstition, which lends to the modern popular idea of of these deities being pigeonholed almost to the point of caricature of their full selves. That's That's a very good point, Rochella. That's a very good point. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of us are only familiar, especially if it's not our pantheon, like the Greek stories Mm -hmm. are not my pantheon, so I haven't really studied them from a religious perspective. Mm -hmm. Um, Our only familiarity with these stories is the sort of passing gloss that you get Mm -hmm. in, like, a children's book. Yeah. And so we miss a lot of these nuances. Well, and And that's why I want to do these deep dives. Yeah.
1: Well, it's like I told you. You know, I've started working with Hera, mm-hmm. and um, I was like, "Ooh, I don't want to work with Hera." You know, because I had a very narrow right. view of her. You got
0: called by Hera, and you were like, "Must I?" Must
1: I? <laughs> but um, but now, as I'm getting to know her and I'm mm-hmm. looking deeper, and and uh, you know, there's so much more to her than what we than what and we, than we what understand. We you know, and I kind of I got a glimpse of that mm-hmm. when I went through the Illusion Mysteries in, in you know last year, mm-hmm. but now. You know, really digging, digging into, into it, it a little bit more, I'm like, okay, yeah, there really is a lot more here. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, and like I said, just going through this, this relatively mm-hmm. short like primer on Demeter has mm-hmm. already
1: shifted my perception
0: of Demeter. So, yeah, yeah. I think yeah. that's very. That's that's very interesting, and I, I'm looking forward to, to doing this series more, because I, I expect that's going to happen. I think so. In a lot of these cases. So I have one more deity to talk about, and this time it's in my own pantheon. Uh-huh. So I'm going to be talking about Vidar. Vidar. The silent god. His name might mean the wide ruling one. That's unclear. The etymology is contested.
1: <laughs> like it always is. Uh-huh.
0: But he is referred to, um... In a couple of places, he doesn't have a very extensive mythology. He shows up mostly in one story uh, related to Ragnarok. So before we get to that, I'll give you just sort of a, a rundown on what we know about Vidar. Mm-hmm. So he is a son of Odin. Um, he is the son of Odin and a, a Jotun named Gryðr. And her name means... And again, it's a contested etymology, but it means probably one of these three things. Vehemence, violence, and... Shit, I forgot the other one. <laughs> it, it means one of three things, and but vehemence and violence are the two most likely right. meanings of Grither's name. And I think that's interesting because of the role Vidar is going to play in the future. Mm-hmm. So most of the deities, most of the gods in heathenry are associated with specific places mm-hmm. sometimes these are literally described as being their halls the where they live mm-hmm. or where they send their worshipers but sometimes they're just sort of general like locations that are sacred to them and vidar's place is described as being brushwood and tall grass so very sort of just an unkempt untended sort of scrubby wilderness mm-hmm. We don't know if he has a hall in a place like that or if those are if that's just like the right place to honor him or if he just hangs out in that kind of a spot a lot. Unclear. We do know that there was, despite the very little that we still know about Vidar, mm-hmm. we do know he had some kind of cultist. He had some kind of worship to him because there are two place names still that reference Vidar. There's Versu, which derives from Vidarshof, which would be the temple of Vidar, and there's Viskjal, which derives from Vidarskalf, Mm -hmm. which would have been the the crag or the pinnacle of Vidar, so like Vidar's mountain. So we know he, he had enough of a presence outside of just the texts we still have to have temple to him, to have mountain that was considered to be his place, that people recognized him enough to name things after him, which is sort of what in heathenry we consider the cutoff for did this deity likely have some kind of worship Mm -hmm. some kind of religious practice associated with them Mm -hmm. because there are a lot of entities in the Norse mythology who are only mentioned once or twice we know next to nothing about them and so sort of the the academic cutoff for did this person likely have some kind of worship is was a place named after them. Okay. So Vidar has two places still that we know were named after him. So he likely had some kind of worship dedicated to him. Okay. <laughs> Rannin says, sounds like a kind of swampy bro. I like it.
1: <laughs>
0: Finn says, I've left meat and persimmon cakes for him in the brambles and cedars on my hikes. It seems when I feel called to leave him anything, it's in brushy places. That is appropriate, Finn. Th- those are Rushwood and tall grass, Uh, unkempt overgrown spots seem to be where Vidar prefers to be. He is called the silent god in one instance, and we don't know why. We don't know if there were stories to him that we don't have anymore, where he is described as being or performs in a way that is particularly silent or like thoughtful or meditative. We don't know if there were other stories about him. It's possible there's a theory that... His silence may be a ritual abstention from speech, Mm -hmm. so like an avow of silence, Mm -hmm. because Vidar's role in Ragnarok is going to be a role of Mm revenge-taking. And there's another instance of another one of Odin's sons, Vali, who is born specifically to take revenge for Baldur's death, and Mm -hmm. Vali abstains from specific behaviors until he has completed his revenge. And there are a few stories about uh, Germanic heroes who abstain from specific kinds of behavior until they get their revenge. Like, they won't cut their hair, they won't bathe, they won't wash their hands, they won't, etc., etc. We know there was a tradition in Germanic and Scandinavian cultures of making vows not to perform specific usually fairly fundamental tasks or not to perform specific behaviors until you had accomplished an oath of revenge. Mm -hmm. So it's possible that Vidar has a vow of silence because his role in Ragnarok is to take revenge for the death of Odin. Okay. So in Ragnarok, there are all these fights between various figures. And in most cases, the two figures fighting during Ragnarok kill each other. Mm -hmm. So like, Thor and Jormungandr fight in, in Ragnarok, and they both die. They kill each other. Right. That's the common trend during the fights in Ragnarok. Mm-hmm. But instead of Odin and Fenrisulfer, who are butting heads and, and paired up for fights during Ragnarok, mm-hmm. instead of them killing each other, Fenrisulfer consumes Odin, like, kills Odin, eats him whole. So Fenrisulfer is the clear winner in that fight. hmm that's very unusual for Ragnarok. Right. So it can't be left unavenged for so the Ragnarok cycle to continue. So Odin, knowing he is going to be slain by Fenrisulfr during Ragnarok, because one of the significant things about Odin is that he has this foresight, he right. sees this coming, mm-hmm. has Vidar with Grider mm-hmm. specifically to be the agent of revenge for right. his own death. Vidar is born to take revenge on... Fenrisulfur, and in the Ragnarok cycle, after Fenrisulfur consumes Odin, Vidar kills Fenris. And that's the story we mostly have about Vidar. Mm -hmm. So we learn a few things about Vidar through this story. Mm -hmm. We learn that he was born to take revenge, like Vali, um, so that he was Mm purpose-born. We know how he kills Fenrisulfur. Is that he has what's sometimes described as an iron shoe, but it's effectively just a magic shoe. Okay. It's um, a very thick shoe that he spends his entire life crafting out of, and this is a little bit of sort of funny folktale logic, Uh out of all the leftover scraps of leather from people's shoes. Okay. So... It used to be, you know, back in the day, people yeah. made their own shoes a lot of the time, uh, especially in Scandinavia, where you might not have a cobbler at hand. Sure. Um, so you made your own shoes out of leather, and when you cut off the excess leather from the toe and heel of the shoe to make it fit your foot specifically, those scraps, as long as you threw them away, Vidar would come collect and add to his shoe... Uh, and that was actually sort of a, a Viking urban legend. Mm. Like a like a Norse folktale was if you wanted to help the gods during Ragnarok, if you wanted to participate, you, instead of reusing that leather, should throw it away so that Vidar could come get it so that he could make his shoes stronger. Because when he confronts Fenrisulfur, he plants his heavy shoe, his magic shoe, mm-hmm. um, on Fenrisulfur's bottom jaw to hold it to the ground and lifts his top jaw up with his hand and thrusts his sword through Fenrisulfer that way so that Fenrisulfer can't eat him whole like he just ate Odin. So Vidar has this magic shoe made from all the leftover shoe leather in the world. Right. And he is known, he's described as being second only to Thor in strength. Mm -hmm. So Vidar is himself very strong. He's not as strong as Thor, which suggests that maybe if Vidar had been paired up against Jormungandr, that battle would not have ended in Vidar's favor, but it doesn't matter because Vidar has one job, and it is to kill Fenrisulfur in revenge for Odin's death. And that's all we really know about Vidar. In some stories of the Ragnarok cycle, everyone dies at the end and sort of the universe is destroyed. Mm -hmm. In some stories of the Ragnarok cycle, some of the younger gods survive, and Vidar is one of them. Mm -hmm. Vidar and Vali, the two... The two sons of Odin who were born to seek revenge, and their brother Balder who had already died, are preserved at the end of Ragnarok, and they sort of rebuild rebuild the world. But that's really all we have about Vidar. He shows up in one other story during the Lokasenna, where he serves a really interesting role, actually. So most of the gods in the Lokasenna are, especially at this early point in the story where Vidar shows up are trying to get Loki to just go, to just leave. Aren't they always? They're they're trying, to, like, <laughs> he showed up to this party he wasn't invited to, mm-hmm. and they're trying to get him, they're trying to tell him, like, you weren't invited, you can't come in. And he's claiming blood brothership to Odin and saying, you have to let me in. Right. Odin made an oath that he wouldn't drink if I didn't drink. Mm-hmm. He's drinking, so you have to let me in. So he's calling on the rights of hospitality, and the other gods are resisting this, and... Odin finally, reluctantly, says, okay, fine, you can come in. And Vidar is the one who pours Loki a drink and makes space for him at the table.
1: Okay.
0: So Vidar serves this interesting sort of placating role. He's one of the first gods in the Lokasenna to try to get Loki to calm down and just be part of the party. Mm -hmm. It doesn't work. No, But Loki.
1: Of course it doesn't work.
0: But I think it's really interesting that Vidar... Who is fated to kill Loki's son, Fenris mm-hmm. in revenge for the death of his father, mm-hmm. is trying to make peace with Loki here. At this point, when Loki has already antagonized the other gods to the point where, at the end of this story, he is going to be chained up in a cave yeah. with the entrails of his son and the v- venom of a viper splashing in his face. Like, it's it's a really interesting interaction for them to have. And it's not explored in a lot of depth because the Locasena is really sort of a satirical poem. Mm-hmm. It's just sort of poking fun at all the gods. Right. I think it adds nuance to Vedar's character, right? Vali, who's the other revenge son, mm-hmm. is born to kill someone who is not really at fault. So he's born to kill Hodur who threw the mistletoe dart at Baldr with Loki's assistance. Right. But because it was Hodr's hand, Hodr is the one who has to die. Right. So, Vali is born to kill one of his brothers, and he is described pretty much as just relentless in that task. Mm-hmm. It's not something he takes any joy in, but it's also not something he questions or... It just is what it is. It just is. is what it is, yeah. Vidar with this interaction is, in my opinion, instantly complicated. Mm-hmm. Like, for one thing, Vali grows to adulthood, like, in the span of a day. Yeah. Vidar, as far as we can tell, has a normal childhood. Like, he grows up among the gods and is a normal deity who people worshipped in normal ways mm-hmm. and who probably had other stories that we don't have anymore where he did things. Yeah. He is a normal part of the community. And so he has a more complex relationship to his role as a vengeance taker Mm -hmm. than Vali does. Because even though this is what he was born for, he gets to be a person first in a way that Vali doesn't. So I think Vidar is a fascinating god. And it's really unfortunate that we've lost so so much much about him. Because I think Vidar and his relationship to Loki and to Odin and to Fenrisulfur are fascinating. So I really encourage anybody who has any interest in Norse mythology to sort of explore that relationship, those relationships specifically. Also his relationship to Vali as the other sort of revenge son. Right. Because I think there's a lot there that just hasn't been that we don't have academia for right and we're gonna have to sort
1: of uncover it with upg yeah we do have some wild spots in our yard so if you yes. want to make some true i could offerings. make some offerings to
0: Vidar and mm-hmm. see what we get yep 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 and maybe make some leather shoes there you go <laughs> and leave him some scraps <laughs>
1: Next, yeah absolutely that you definitely could mm-hmm.
0: and this is um so this here i'm going to veer into a little bit of definite upg I think it's interesting that the offering you make to Vidar is something you don't need. It's the mm-hmm. scraps of leather mm-hmm. that you've cut off of your shoe. It's, it's just little pieces of excess. Mm-hmm. And I think that's interesting because when I was first reaching out to Tyr, who is a god of justice... Right. When I was first reaching out to Tyr to find out what kind of offerings he wanted... What I got was that I should give him things that have served their purpose. Mm-hmm. So used things, mm-hmm. um, broken things, mm-hmm. the ends of candles, burnt out matches, broken glasses, things that were useful and have been used mm-hmm. and can't be repurposed. He wanted those things as offerings. That's interesting. Yeah, it was a really interesting that I had to sort of unpack in my brain for a mm-hmm. long time because those are not things I think of as appropriate offerings, but they're what he specifically wanted, at least for me. Mm-hmm. He wanted those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. So I think it's interesting that Vidar, who is a god of associated strongly with this one act of revenge, mm-hmm. has a similar offering need mm-hmm. of give me what you don't need anymore. Give me the excess, yeah. and I will mm-hmm. repurpose it. Mm-hmm. and make it an instrument of power and vengeance. Yeah. I think that's fascinating especially with tears correlation to justice. So like I said this is a very UPG thing because that's not like attested anywhere that Tyr wants those things that's what I got directly but Roshala says maybe their value was is not in sacrifice but in potential or in memory mm. yeah I don't know it's like I said it's a it's fascinating yeah it, that's that, the
1: best word for it yeah
0: and that was um, that. like I said that was something I had to sort of chew on for a long time before mm. I could make sense of what what was being asked of me mm-hmm. Rhiannon Grace says huh I never thought about something like that being an offering I think it would obviously be up to the deity but that's a good bit of info to ponder yeah mm-hmm. and it may not be that, that that's an appropriate offering for everyone Which but I we do is... have but we do have here the reference to Vidar specifically requesting requesting them. yeah using uh, the leftover leather from shoes yeah, yeah.
1: that's fascinating mm-hmm. so
0: that's what I've got on Vidar like I said there's not a lot about him he's mentioned only in a couple of places yeah um, we like i said we have these indications that there were more stories about it which is the time. most frustrating part it's very it's it's almost more frustrating to me when mm-hmm. i can see the signs mm-hmm. that there were stories there yeah. that there like that he did more that he did more things that we just don't know about and that we'll never hear those stories again. It's one thing when like they're mentioned once in a list of all the deities and I'm just like, well, that person existed. No, absolutely nothing about them. Right. It's more frustrating to me when I can see that clearly there's missing information yeah. and it's it's like the road to to punt where it's just no one no one thought to record it well enough for me to to find it now. Yeah. I like Vivar and I hope he
1: gets more attention. Yeah. Same with you know Demeter, like a, yeah, I, and uh, and Charon. Mm-hmm. I mean, you and, wouldn't think and to and Praxidike. And Praxedike. you wouldn't think to maybe Demeter, yes, mm-hmm. but not necessarily necessarily Charon. Mm-hmm. When you're when you're dealing with death, or think about offering something to Charon, mm-hmm. you know, a, ha, include a penny, right, in, before you approach anything before else. you approach anything else.
0: So we're gonna wrap this one up yep. because that's all the gods we brought to talk about today. The
1: good thing because we'd still be going for like another hour <laughs> if, was, yeah. if we'd had any more.
0: <laughs> so we will see you again next week. Yep. We are at 3pagansandacat.com where we have links to assorted things. You can find a lot of our stuff if you Google the number three and the words Pagans and a Cat or the number three and the letters P-A-A-C. Yep.
1: You can find us on Patreon. You can find us on YouTube, sort of. You mm-hmm. can find me on... On TikTok. TikTok and Instagram. Gwen also Instagram. has a,
0: a Patheos Pagan blog. That's right. So, Google it. Yes. Google um, that shit. Google Google all the things. All the things. And we will be back to you next week with... with something. Something. An, an, another, <laughs> another topic. And we will be doing more of these Deep Dives series in the future. And
1: maybe a Wild Jackson can be lured in yes. with a new and interesting topic.
0: Yes. We almost got him on this almost. one. Almost. But uh, he forgot that we were doing this recording, so we lost him at the last
1: second. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, you guys have a wonderful rest of your evening, day or night or morning or whenever you listen to this. Whenever you get around to it. Have a great week. We love you. And be good to yourselves and each other.
0: Yes. Goodbye.